Welcome to the Awesome Life Podcast. I'm Karen Stultz, your host, and my guests and I inspire and empower women to find their awesomeness, live their joy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Awesome Life Podcast. I'm Karen Stelch, your host, and I just love my guests. Uh, the podcast, of course, is for women in transition who are looking for something else. They don't know necessarily what it is they're looking for, but the podcast offers you lots of resources, ideas, thoughts, and uh, directions just to get that mind flow going. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that sometimes our minds are, are, well, our minds are always working, right? It, it, that's just the way it is. And my guest today is going to be sharing more about that and how dreams affect. My guest today is Ken Kaplan, and I'm so excited to have him here. He is a dream specialist. Uh, actually, he, he, uh, he, he's been a highly gifted dream interpretation specialist, <clears throat> is how he describes himself. He lectures and gives individual sessions throughout the Philadelphia area and uh, now internationally probably with our, our Zoom abilities and able to connect those ways as well. But in the Philadelphia area for over 25 years, he's, he's very well known. He is adept at communicating how dreams work and their purpose and did you know that dreams actually have rules? They have structures. And he's going to be sharing some of that. And he is going to help us understand more about the powerful interpretations that, that dreams have. And before you say it, yes, everybody dreams. You have to be able to dream or you go crazy. That is a scientific fact. So even if you don't remember your dreams, indeed, dreams you do have. So, Ken, welcome to the Awesome Life Podcast. It is so wonderful to have you here. And how did you get into uh, the the podcast, uh, not the podcast, but the dream interpretation? Uh, thank you, Karen. <clears throat> it kind of happened almost by accident, but we know there are no accidents. Um. Dreams always became very important for me um, after I got involved with a spiritual teacher from India many years ago. And uh, about after a year I'd been involved with him, all of a sudden I began to have these, um, for want of a better word, biblical dreams with his presence in them. This was a way in which the divine could reach me. And I would wake up in states of ecstatic bliss from these dreams, the love, the the sense of uh, presence was was just off the charts. And it wasn't just one or two of them. I was having three or four of these a month. Wow. And this went on for years, although they started to settle into a flow about one every two or three months. I later came to understand that from a spiritual point of view, uh, this was kind of ordained that the higher self, God's source, whatever name we want to give to it, 
would come to me in dreams because I was not yet ready because of profound emotional trauma when I was young to take in that energy in the waking state. And so I was kind of being implanted with energy that would um, strengthen me for the spiritual journey. Now I don't have the dreams hardly anymore, but now I can experience in the waking state to some degree what I used to uh, in the dream state. In 1975, I read a book uh, called The Dream Game by Anne Faraday. She was a very gifted dream interpreter and it worked very much on scientific experiments with dreams. And this was her second book. The first book was called Dream Power. Sold 300,000 copies at the time, which I doubt it would sell today. Uh, we're in a very different place. And um, for some reason, I had it. I had it, I think, in the way that a lot of psychics and channels and mediums, they're four or five years old, they're born with it. Mm. And for some reason, I, I, I really think it's a, what we call a past life gift. Uh, whether wherever it came from, it was almost spontaneous. And uh, I'm, I'm a, I was a professional storyteller for 30 years, mm. working with young children. And I would go to um, these conferences and people would start, we, I would do this thing where people would get on this run where people would come to me and they would share with me their dreams that they had had, they couldn't figure out. And in 15 minutes, we'd figure it out and they couldn't believe it. And they started calling me Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> so the gift seemed to have been implanted or was already there. And it just came in. So I never studied with anyone. I never took any courses. I never trained with anybody. I had. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I haven't grown from and I haven't benefited from the wisdom of other people, uh, from some of the books I've read. I've had some conversations and networks with some tremendous Jungian analysts. Uh, and so you do learn. And I also recently I've seen that my intuitive abilities have gone up a couple levels. And I'm seeing things in dreams that maybe I didn't see 10 years mm. uh, And it's very exciting. So, you know, it, it's that's how it happened. And then I think it's about 20 years ago, uh, a friend of mine uh, was working at the Wellness Center of Doristown Hospital. She was running programs there. And I did my first paid gig. And jaws just dropped. And I, I've always had a gift for communication and public speaking and making things clear. <laughs> But not only did I um, share about dreams, but I actually worked with several dreams on the spot. Oh, wow. And, and they were just astonished. And I started doing that in most of my presentations. Most of my lectures are interactive. I don't just want it to be dry. I think, I think people don't fully understand the power of dreams unless either we go through case histories a little bit or they go through the process themselves because most of the people in society are just really don't understand almost anything about dreams. Yeah. And it's not anybody's fault. Society doesn't hold them as sacred. And let's say you did want to do something with your dreams. Who would you go to? Yeah, most people just grab the book in at Barnes and Noble. Oh, yeah. and, and, that's says, not, and that's because the psychology profession has kind of kind of taken hold of dream work. Mm. So if you, let's say I had a recurring dream and I, or a nightmare. <clears throat> Who am I going to go to that's going to be able to interpret it? Mm -hmm. Lots of psychics and mediums and tarot readers and all these kinds of people. But how many how many dream workers are there? Like me, there's very very few. 
Right. So the bottom line is, usually unless you're in therapy with somebody, who's and the therapist has to really know a lot about them. But you have to be a Jungian therapist, and they have to be in your network if you're insurance and all that kind of stuff. Where are you going to go? So people are people can have dreams that bother them or befuddle them or kind of they want to really know what it's about for years, <clears throat> but they don't know who to go to. Well, yeah. now you have somebody. Now we have Ken Kaplan, and it's all good. Well, there's yeah. there are other people, but there's not that many who specialize in this. Yeah. Compared to the other types of intuitive counselors and coaches and things like that, dream workers are pretty rare. So there are different kinds of dreams, aren't there? Um, are, are there different types of dreams that people have? Uh, explain a little bit more what you mean by that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, sometimes people wake up in a cold sweat with something that they dreamt. And, and you already said that it has something to do with the world that we're in at the moment that we're living in at the moment, but uh, there are recurring dreams and there are one-off dreams. And, and well, let me backtrack a little bit because <clears throat> we need to understand the purpose of dreams before we can talk about types of dreams. Okay, great. So the issue is um, dreams have a profound physiological and psychological purpose. Um, we don't know why, they have been given to us or why this mechanism is inlaid in human beings. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and apparently in other creatures, I have to take a little drink here. Of course. <clears throat> but for humans, there is a processing mechanism. Okay. The one thing the physiological scientists have figured out is that dreams work somehow as a clearinghouse mechanism for the body. But they also do this psychologically as well. But you would be surprised to know that 30% of scientists who physiologically work with dreams don't believe they have any meaning, hmm. which is absurd. But it's unfortunate in the material society we live in that they don't understand that. Dreams act in a twofold purpose in a both processing way and what Carl Jung called a compensatory way. Hmm. I'll explain that right now. The dreaming mind is a feedback mechanism to the conscious mind to the self. And its purpose is to reveal the inner landscape at a depth that is so great that no detail is left on un no stone is left unturned. <clears throat> it will a dream the dream will show you everything about what you are thinking, believing, feeling about the events, circumstances and people in your life. Now um and it does it at a depth that is astonishing, that is so far beyond the conscious mind that uh, it's very hard. I have, a, I have a thing on my website called Dreams and the Holographic Map from the movie Avatar. Oh. If anybody has seen the movie or wants to look up that clip on YouTube, there's this map of the planet. And it can you can zoom anywhere and go anywhere up and down. <clears throat> and you can see almost every leaf on every tree and you can see under the ground. That's what dreams do. Uh, they reveal to us, to an and we'll see this through some case histories, uh, an extraordinary level. Secondly, what people don't understand about dreams, <clears throat> if for some reason we don't understand, the dreaming mind knows everything about us and wants to lead us to wholeness. Mm -hmm. 
It has an intelligence. It's like a, it's like a combination therapist, psychic, genius, savant. Sorry. So the dreaming mind will select any symbol, the most appropriate symbol, most appropriate aspect of that symbol, most appropriate placement of the symbol, most appraisement of the collection of symbols, scenes, locations, narratives. The dreaming mind will select all of that to a level in which there's not a hair out of place in a dream. And most people don't understand how precise they are. Now, when you say uh, most appropriate, uh, is, is that appropriate for you conscious to understand or well it's 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 the message it's giving the, the conscious mind has to learn how to interpret dreams i have a right brain symbolic language mm -hmm. people say well why doesn't why don't dreams just directly tell us what's it's just not the way it is mm -hmm. it's a completely symbolic language and you have to learn it once you learn it then all of a sudden <laughs> the the messages of the dream and the narrative become very very clear depending and, on, on your skill and and you couldn't really go to a book and get that symbolic and say oh all right this is a bus and therefore this means this or because a bus might be no i like the i like yellow buses you know <laughs> that's a very good point um i just want to quickly go you yes about types of dreams yes yes uh in reality um Dreaming can be of many different types because the dream will reflect what's going on in the life of the dreamer. The great rule of dreams <clears throat> is that they are anchored to the waking life. By day by day, they, they're what's called existential, which means moment by moment, day to day. Your dreaming mind will reflect back to you in great depth what you're feeling at the moment of what's going on in your waking life. There's a guy, Calvin Hall. He uh, This is an important point. He went through 50,000 dreams of dreamers from all over the world and every culture. And one of the things he understood was, that was revealed to him in all these, is that the dreamer will always dream about themselves. And so we can dispel the idea that if someone appears in a dream, that the dream is somehow about them. It's not. It's about what you feel, believe, and respond to in relationship to them. Mm. They found that this is true no matter where you go in the world, <clears throat> with Eskimos in the North Pole, whether it's African people, it doesn't matter where people in China, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where they are. So there the, the dreams were if you're feeling anxious, your dreams are going to reflect the anxiety, but the dreams will also reflect um the source of that anxiety. Mm. Uh, I think it's a good place for us to talk about the four parts of the four arcs of the dream. Yeah, four arcs of the dream. And this by is the way, actually, I copyrighted. Oh wow! And so, uh, because I came up with it, <laughs> that shows how the dreams relate to the waking life for the individual. Because you're right. Uh, we'll get to dream dictionaries in a second, and how yes, they're somewhat helpful, but dreams are unique to the dreamer. So I want everybody who's listening to imagine a person standing in front of them and imagine a line going from one ear over the head to this ear, to the other ear. That's the first arc of the dream. <laughs> the first arc of the dream is the trigger. Something in the, in the day, some incident in the day will trigger off the dream and will be the setting off mechanism. We don't have to know what it is, but it does. 
Then I want you to imagine a circle going from the shoulder over the head and over the first arc to the other shoulder. Mm. That's another arc. The second arc of the dream is the main body of the dream based on what's going on with you at the time of the dream in your waking life. <laughs> if you're having stress at work, having issues with a relationship, feeling really good about yourself, a million different variations, the dream of the main processing body of the dream will be about those events in your life and be a commentary on them. However, I want you to now imagine from the foot over the two arcs to the other foot. Mm. And this is the third arc. And the third arc is your lifetime issues. And your lifetime issues, if it's appropriate, will um, interface with the second arc or the day-to-day -day issues. And so you will find in dreams a lot of the source of your issues because your dreaming mind will bring, bring to light in a dream your lifetime issues that are influencing the second arc. The last arc is not an arc at all, but imagine lines going out from the top of the third arc into infinity. Mm. This is the unbounded, infinite, unconscious, what we call the higher self. And this is the realm of dreams beyond the subconscious mind or the what this uh, tradition we call the unconscious mind of the individual dreamer. This is where we get precognitive pre dreams, lucid dreams, uh, visitations from loved ones, angelic appearances, uh, dreams of the divine, the dreams from my spiritual teacher, the divine energy that so filled me was a fourth arc dream. Mm -hmm. Interesting, and we might get it, uh, we can see this in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an example, is um, that for some reason, the superconscious self or the higher self and our loved ones have an ability to use our own subconscious minds to rearrange symbols and create messages in the way our dreaming mind would, but with much more intent. Hmm. I want to give a quick example of um, a second arc dream. Great. Is that okay? Yeah, that would be great. Well, children usually have second arc dreams. They haven't. Um, <laughs> they haven't developed enough um, maturity to develop what's called the guiding or the healing or the compensatory nature. So, mm -hmm. so I was talking to a woman on the phone. It was with a company, and it was just, she was a customer service rep. And she told me of a dream she had in childhood. And she said in the dream, she was uh, about seven years old. And she was walking up the side of a mountain. And it was lovely and beautiful. And there was a table waiting for her. She sat down in a chair and there was a, 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 an umbrella canopy over the um, table. And uh, there was a flower, a flower vase with flowers in it. And she was looking out over the landscape and it was beautiful. And all of a sudden, she felt a, a terrible roar and a horrible avalanche of stone and rock came roaring down the mountain and destroyed everything. Mm. And she woke up. Now, this was a recurring dream. <clears throat> Knowing right away the relationship between the waking life and that the dreams are a direct commentary one-on-one -on -one with the waking life, I knew something had been going on in her family. So I said, what was going on in your family at the time of this, when you had these dreams? And she said, my father was a terrible alcoholic. 
He would come home in violent rages and we would have to hide in the closet in order to hide from him until he passed out. Well, bingo, right away we see the complete one-to-one -one correspondence between the father's anger and rage and the avalanche and wiping out the innocence of childhood. Yeah. And destroying the, the good feeling. And so obviously the trigger would be if the father would come home in one of these states, he would probably have this kind of dream. Or even if he just got really angry at the dinner table, it might trigger up. And it was a recurring dream for her for years. Yeah. And so now we see the overlay. <laughs> the dream uses brilliant symbols that might not <clears throat> have a, a cognitive conscious mind way, but the avalanche is a perfect symbol of the, of the ferocity of the father's anger and how it could wipe out and obliterate the good feelings that she might have at the moment or in her life. So that's an example of, of how this, how, of a second arc dream. Um, we can deal, I, I won't allow you to ask more questions, but we can use your husband's dream as a jumping off point to, the, to a third arc dream and our dreams really present to us opportunities to resolve lifetime issues, which I think for women in transition could be incredibly beneficial to see what is driving a lot of behaviors, responses, and feelings? Because when you understand and really see, and we'll go through a dream so we can see this, we then have the choice to make around, because we can see the landscape about what's going on so much, we can make decisions about, okay, what do I want to do about it? Exactly. Once it gets into your conscious mode, then you can you can choose. <laughs> But we don't know what it is if it's not brought into our conscious. Exactly. And that's one of the great, most important things about dreams. If I compare psychics and dreams, <laughs> there's a certain comparability between them. Mm -hmm. Dreams are far more precise and detailed. Yeah. In working with, um, now a really good psychic, a really good psychic will be somewhat detailed. But the dream is coming from within you. Right. And therefore, there's a certain power that it comes from within you. So therefore, it's you speaking to you. Exactly. So it's more of your your inside. It isn't necessarily what the facts are going on outside. It is your emotional feeling about it. Exactly. And that's why it's important to understand dreams are not literal, but they are symbolic because people get lost in thinking that they are uh, literal and they miss the subtlety of messages. I had a woman a long time ago she had a dream that the cross appeared in the sky and said the end of the world was coming. <clears throat> and she lived in dread for five years, thinking that she'd be given a premonition that there was the end of the world was coming. Mm. She was a very strong Christian. So in her life, her dreaming mind would use Christian iconography. But when I got into the dream with her and we worked with it, the real meaning of it was symbolic was <laughs> your life is about to change and old ways are about to end and new ways are about to begin. She, Because she didn't know and understand about dreams, she made a grave mistake and thought it was literal. Mm -hmm. What it was going to do with her? Because usually with precognitive dreams, the one thing I will say is usually you have to have them all the time. Mm -hmm. you know, And they're very lucid and the events have to come true. Right. <laughs> Certain way you know you're having precognitive dreams. So don't think a dream is precognitive if you have... Once, I mean, it's very, very rare. So um, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's one of the great pitfalls of dreams 
is people take them literally and they don't know how to uh, understand there's some, I've made, I made that mistake. I've made that mistake in the past uh, pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, do you have an example of that? Now you, you had mentioned in your, in your bio that you, there are rules with dreams is it the rules that we're talking about now of yes, yes yes um well one of the major the most major rule of the dream <laughs> is that the dream is um <clears throat> this expression of the waking life i call it the great rule and when people try to um share their dreams <clears throat> because they don't give the backstory or the context uh you can't you can't you can't really interpret it mm-hmm you have to have the backstory in order to wed the two together because the dream is a, a very precise and detailed commentary. Mm -hmm. Another great rule of dreams is that uh, the dreams are unique to the dreamer. Your husband's dream was a very good example of this, mm. uh, about dream dictionaries, um, in that um, dream dictionaries are helpful, but you can rely upon them too much because symbols are unique to the dreamer. Okay. And you always have to work with what works with for the dreamer. So, um, and another part of the dream is that a rule of dreams <laughs> is that all parts of a dream are you. This is hard for people to grasp. But if someone else appears in a dream, I know some dream workers say that if your wife appears, it's them. But it's really basically what you're thinking and feeling about them. Yeah, that makes not, sense. Not them specifically. It's it's very, very rare to have a dream that's that's really about somebody else. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, and just for our listeners, uh, maybe you would like to to share uh, what my husband's dream was a little bit. Uh, he had a recurring oh. dream mm -hmm. where he was lost in the city, and it was a city that he didn't know, and he knew that he had an appointment, and he was supposed to be somewhere. But he uh, he could not find his way, and he didn't know where he was. He didn't know which way to what you know. And uh, this is an extremely common variation of a dream. <laughs> I call it the examination dream. This is the dream. The primal dream is you're taking a test, and all of a sudden you realize you only have five minutes to go, and you haven't started, and you're not going to be able to complete the exam, and it's really important. There are a million variations of the examination dream. Uh, being lost in a city, not being able to find your car, <laughs> um, being late on time for work, uh, your apartment's scattered, you can't find the paper. There are so many variations of this kind of dream. So when that happens is, I asked your husband, um, could he remember uh, what was going on at the time of his life? And he couldn't remember. <clears throat> but I said to him, it had to be a stress trigger point because one of the things about recurring dreams, and this is a rule about dreams, <laughs> is the issue is important enough that the, the, the issue will come up again and again and again. Because the dreaming mind really wants to try to force you to take a look at it. Mm. The problem is if you don't know how to interpret it, then it, the dream, it'll, it'll continue to recur. Or even if you understand it, if you haven't resolved the underlying issue it will continue to recur the the strongest recurring a dream I ever got was at a library a woman had the same recurring dream every night mm. and she had been born in another country in India 
or Pakistan. She wanted to be a doctor, but because she was a woman and because her father absolutely forbade her, she never could become a doctor and she had to become a, te a medical technician. Well, obviously the burning desire and passion she had and the feeling she had about being thwarted was so great that it showed up every night for her in a recurring dream mm. of falling down. But then somehow writing herself, uh, the, the dream itself isn't that important, but the fact that it was such, such an incredibly overpowering feeling in her that she had not resolved as a, that she had it every single night. Mm. So with wow. your husband, <laughs> the generic dream is always a dream of feeling loss of control. When people, that they're in a situation in life where they feel somehow their competency, they're, they're not competent enough, they're, they're, they might be feeling inadequate to the task at hand. It could be something about work, could be about school, family. But the location and how the dream works, for me, I'm a storyteller. <laughs> My variation of this dream is that I'm supposed to do a gig, but I can't remember the stories. Mm. And as hard as I try, I just know the right the but I, I can't bring the stories to my mind. I, I know the story, but I can't get them. Or I might get parts of them. So depending on where I'm at, when, if it's pretty severe, I can't remember this. So it's, a, it's the same dream, but a whole different landscape based on my uniqueness of my life history. <clears throat> but I wanted to go a little farther with your husband. This gets into the dream dictionary piece. Which also gets into something I want to quickly state about rules of dreams is something Carl Jung discovered, which is the collective unconscious, mm -hmm. that humans have a shared set of symbols or what we call archetypes mm -hmm. that really are shared among all human beings. There are 300 versions. This is what I learned from storytelling community. There are over 300 versions of Cinderella in the world. Wow. 300 not like not like somebody from some culture went and told it to somebody else <clears throat> the archetype of the unwanted one who rises to prominence as such a powerful human archetype that is it has appeared naturally in over 300 different cultures mm. wow so young uh, uh, joseph campbell who was a big Jungian uh, uh, uh myth mythologist wrote a book called the hero with a thousand faces mm. And he showed how the heroic tales of every culture have certain inbred archetypes that are common to all humanity. Mm. But one of the things Jung went a little too far with that, because what I've discovered and what I think a good Jungian analyst would say <laughs> is that dreams um, generally work with cultural archetypes. So if we're in the West, things like machinery, cars, cities, buildings are going to show up in a lot of our dreams. If you're an indigenous person, like an Eskimo living in the North Pole, and you never saw a car, it's not going to be a shared symbol. Mm -hmm. You won't dream of cars. You'll dream of igloos, and you'll dream of seals, and you'll dream of canoes, dream of the sea. And symbols can change depending upon the culture. Mm -hmm. I said to you, if I said, what do you think the sun would show up as about as an archetype in dreams? What would your answer be? The sun showing up, brightness, mm -hmm. um, illumination, mm -hmm. something to to recognize the light, growth. Okay, warmth, warmth, uh, nurturing gives life. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, that's what people in temperate climates like us would see the sun. Mm -hmm. Do you know how the sun shows up for people in the desert? <laughs> Scorching, hot, dangerous, mm -hmm. threat, life-threatening. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different culture. The sun means completely something different to them. Right. In their dreams, the sun shows up differently. So if you went to a dream dictionary about the sun, uh, it, it would be the author's interpretation. Well, it would be very broad. They might mention up something. They might say the sun, if you get too like Icarus in the myth, gets too close to the sun, the wax melts off his wings and he, you know, there might be some, some dream dictionaries might have a little bit of that. But, in, but most of them, they're, they're very, they're, they're more amorphous. So they're helpful. They put you in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. so husband's dream in his example. So I asked him, okay, what does the city mean to you? Because cities can be <clears throat> places of civilization, organization, systems, uh, the mass consciousness. But for him, uh, he had grown up uh, in the suburbs and really he went to Maine in the summers. And so for him, the city was a place he really didn't like, but he had to go to the city uh, every day to go to school. And he felt the city was cold and it was uncaring. It was too crowded. It was uncomfortable, unpleasant. So that's what the city meant for him. So clearly something in his waking life mirrored what the city represented. Mm. Now, normally in the past, I would have stopped there. When I said, okay, this dream is showing how you're not feeling competent. You might be feeling inadequate. You might be feeling out of control. Or you might be feeling lost in something very unpleasant, overwhelming, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That would have all been true. But I've learned to go more into the details. In dreams, the devil is in the details, particularly with the uniqueness of each person. Mm -hmm. So I said so I said to him, what else was in the dreams? It's a very short dream. Well, there were buses in the dreams. I said, that's interesting. Was there any card? No, just buses. That was a very, very important detail. Mm -hmm. I said, I had a dream with a person in a visitation dream where their father was sitting at a bus stop like this on a, with his hands on the bench like this. Mm -hmm. And buses can tend to represent the mass consciousness. Where's your relationship of your life to the mass consciousness? But I asked your husband, what do buses mean to you? He said, I had to get, when I was young, from, fir <clears throat> from first grade to ninth grade, I had to go by bus every day to the city. And what was that like for you? He said, it was extremely unpleasant. I, I and the, one of the major things he really did not like about buses was that he had to he had to be beholden to somebody else's schedule. Mm -hmm. In other words, if he missed the bus, he was going to be late for school. He'd be held to pay, and he really did not like that. Now that's a very unique feature to him. Mm -hmm. Someone else might have said, "I didn't like buses because they're smelly, they're crowded." That's not what was about for him. So that would have been a detail that would have been very key to um, uh, his life. Right. In terms of like <clears throat> the meaning of the dream and what was going on in his waking life, there would have been some mirror. That would have been a very important detail if I could have remembered with him. Um, and you wouldn't have found that in a dream dictionary. That would have been very hard to. Right. Uh, most likely it wouldn't have been there. And that's where the dream is unique to the dreamer. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And that's where you do need to uh, you do need to ask those questions. It's like the coaching world. You got to keep 
going down a little bit through that onion of uh, the layers. And that sounds like what you do with your dreams so that people can alleviate or understand better and make better choices because- Let me give you an example in a second, but I want to say that uh, there's a saying that only the dreamer can interpret their own dream. That's not true. No. If someone doesn't understand anything about dreams, they can't interpret it. No, they can't. But what <laughs> is true is that the meaning of the dream has to resonate with the dreamer. Right. You have to go, aha, that really that feels so right. What I do when I work is I never impose an interpretation on the dreamer. Because I've had so many instances where I thought the dream was going to go in this direction. And instead, they, it went somewhere differently. I have to follow the dreamer's current, the right. river that branches off. It's their dream. So sometimes I'll present themselves. It could be this. It could be that. Which resonates more for you. Yeah. Um, one other thing about the rules of dreams. I mentioned this. It's really important not to take them literally. Like I said, that's the greatest trouble that people get into. So if all aspects of a dream are you, then if I'm in a room and there are all these different kinds of things, each symbol is like a microchip that is an aspect of self that contains information. And uh, and uh, but that's one of the prime ways I'll show you. So I'd like to go through a, a third arc dream with a friend that was a recurring dream that will give a more, I did know the backstory of the life and your audience can have a more complete understanding of how this all really works and what the value of it really is. Cause this was a life-changing dream. So this is the, the third arc, which is going from one foot up and over your head to the <laughs> other foot. This is where lifetime issues come into the dream. Okay. And we'll see what the second arc is. <laughs> so a friend of mine, uh, came to me and she had a recurring dream. Um, and she had one right around Christmas, two weeks after Christmas. And in the dream, she's about to go on a vacation to an exotic island. This is this dream is a very similar dream to your husband's dream of the examination dream. But the clothes are, are all over the place and they're not packed. And she's running out of time. She says the variations of the dream are oftentimes... She can't get the clothes packed. They're, they're, they're all over the place. And she doesn't have enough time. She's going to miss the plane. Or sometimes the ticket is lost. And she can't find the ticket. In this particular variation, the clothes weren't packed. And she didn't have enough time. And they're strewn about. And she's trying to get it together. So um, I said to her, okay, clearly this is a dream, like her husband's dream, that's reflecting a feeling of not being in control, being overwhelmed. But we have to go to your waking life to understand what the trigger is. <laughs> so when did you have this dream? She said that I had it about uh, a night before Christmas Eve. I said, tell me what was going on in your life at um, that time. She said, well, the family expects me to prepare a really big Christmas Eve dinner for everybody. Mm. And it's a huge thing I have to do. I have to go shopping. I have to, you know, get the main dish. I have to cook. I have to clean. I have to go to Wegmans. I have to do this. I have to do that. And clearly, the dream was reflecting some form of overwhelmment about this issue, about being in this position of doing it. And I said, so she always feels, she says, I always end up getting it together. 
but it ended up feeling exhausted and, and it's, it clearly was weighing on her quite a bit. So we're gonna begin to see in which the dream reflects the stress and tension she's feeling about being um, overwhelmed. Yeah. Now I could have stopped there, but I wanted to go further. So I said, I, I have a technique called point of view or gestalt technique <laughs> where we uh, align ourselves with the energy of a symbol in the dream for it to give us information. So I said, uh, the first thing we got was what the exotic island meant. And it wasn't a literal place. It was a place of relaxation, of ease, and kind of enjoyment within herself she was trying to get to. It was being blocked by the overwhelmment and what was going on with not being able to get things together and feeling the enormous stress of packing and being late. So I said, I want you to become the clothes and see what they have to say. So she's very intuitive. And she said, they said to her, we are your seven-year-old self, <laughs> where your mother demanded of you that you take on adult responsibilities. Mm. You were ready for it. And therefore, you uh, you were able to do it, but you felt inadequate. You felt um, uh, overcome with... Uh, the feelings of, of the, the enormity, the responsibility. You we're not sure you're up to the task. And what's being played out here in the dream is, and in this waking life situation, is you are superimposing this um, primal uh, formative uh, trigger or incident from your uh, childhood. You're bringing those feelings of inadequacy, self-pressure, and overwhelmment into the present. Mm. Like you have to do for, <clears throat> do for your family what you had to do for your mother. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's a kind of a codependent thing. So you know you're not able, you're not setting a good boundary and deciding for yourself what you want, what's good for you, and what's not. And you feel that you have to do this. And it's a really big deal. And the family's expecting him the way your mother expected things. And you're going along with it. Once we got the picture from the symbols of the precision of where this all came from, that's the third arc. The okay. second arc is the, is the stress of what's going on right at the moment of having to prepare the dinner. Got it. The third arc is a lifetime issue of something that she's carrying forward from childhood that she hasn't resolved. And she's super, it's a one-to-one -one super superimposition of childhood feelings that are being superimposed on the present day situation. <laughs> I then switched to coach mode and said, how can we do this in a way that will um, allow you to create a boundary? So I said, I was on the computer as we were doing a Zoom session. And I said, I quickly went and said, I, I, I did a, a Google search on holiday catering. I went right to Whole Foods, and they had a, 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 a the thing their sam the family liked a whole lot was salmon. So the, the the ritual was she would prepare a big salmon main dish. Well, for seventy nine dollars, uh, Whole Foods would give you an eight portion main dish salmon meal, not the whole meal, just the main portion. Well, she lit up like a like a firecracker. They're fairly well off, well off enough to be so. I can do that. That would take so much pressure off me. So what we're doing is we're bringing a, a, the adult into 
where the child the child is has not worked her she's not worked out her childhood feelings never right. allowing codependent things to continue so that would be one choice <laughs> i said another choice would be that you could say i'm not cooking at all i'll meet you in the morning for locks and bagels uh you know i'm shutting this down or i said a third option is you could order chinese <laughs> so all of a sudden because of what the dream revealed yeah and what the dream revealed <clears throat> in a very explicit way was the source of the problem and what was causing all the stress and what she was allowing herself to get drawn into in a way she didn't want to, the dream revealed all that. Yeah. And it was a lifetime issue. Once she saw that, clearly her adult self could then seem to make new choices. Oh, I have options that I didn't have when I was a kid. Right. I have options now. And so now I can decide what options do I want to use. She can make any choice she wanted to. And she liked the option of, okay, I'll go to Wegmans and I'll I'll get I'll get the catered dish and I'll just make a salad and it'll be easy. There you go. Or maybe I'll order dessert from them as well. Or or well, maybe one year we'll just have Chinese. There you go. So through the dream. Her dreaming mind was seeking to illuminate to her the source of the problem. This is what the dreaming mind does. Now, if I if I knew your husband's backstory, I would have been able to go there with him. Right. And to be able to share with him. Now, for her, this is a he said he only had the recurring dream about five times over a number of years. Right. This is a dream she has quite a lot. So it's obviously it was a much more important issue for her than it is for him. Right. And right. this was a life-changing session. And I found with many, many people that one session can um one session can be life-changing because the revelatory power of dreams is so potent. And you can see so deeply into your own psyche. Yeah. In ways that even a lot of times psychics can't go. You know, Absolutely. They, this is a whole different realm than a, a psychic per se. Well, they overlap. They do overlap. A good yeah. psychic will get you will get you to there and will get you to, to some of the details of it. Even a really great psychic will really get you to the bottom, but they're rare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and thank you. Thank you for all of this. This has been fascinating. And we could talk for hours. I know we could, but this has been absolutely fascinating. Can we, um, can we do one more really quick? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a, I wanted to get it to visitation dreams. Okay. The visitation dream is an actual dream. It's a lucid dream from a loved one from the other side. This is where your own subconscious does not is not the creator of the dream the loved one is mm -hmm. like i said they can manipulate your subconscious to convey a message i was online and a woman said she had a dream where her father came to her but he was very young like maybe late 20s 30s mm -hmm. and uh he that was the first time he ever came to her it was in 2014 and he said you only have so many years left to live and she got all upset. This is about taking dreams too literally and not understanding how to uh, interpret them. 
And she said, did you mean if this meant she was, you know, was he saying she only had so many years to live? So I said, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I get an, I'm getting an intuitive feeling that the reason your father chose to come to you at a young, a very young age, is he wanted to impart to you something about um, the vitality of life mm -hmm. and about really connecting to the vitality of life. I want you to use, I, I got her to use this technique. I said, you can actually connect with your father's energy and get more information from him. Mm. She did that and what she wrote me stunned me. I'm going to read it, what she said, if we can end on this. Okay. <laughs> as soon as I finished reading your text in regards to paper, I told her to take a pad of paper to connect with his energy and see what he has to tell her. A paper towel fell down. I said, okay, daddy, I will write on paper. I focused on the image of him in my dream, and this is what he said. He wants me to have fun and enjoy my life to the fullest. To feel that deep self-love to get past uh, the pain I have of his death. He has also taken care of Nicole, my daughter, that passed away two, two and a half years ago. He said, have fun in my business. I will succeed. He said, the number 26 is symbolic. It was 26 when you came to this earth. Always be yourself. Never change. You do everything with love and peace. Learn to astral travel and meditate so you can communicate with me and Nicole. And then she wrote, Oh my God, I'm crying. Who are we? Wow. In a spiritual sense, like obviously we're not just his body. That I can have this kind of connection yeah. to my father who passed away. This was a life-changing incident for her. Yeah, I can from see one, that. From one dream, because by interpreting it properly through my skill, not only did she bring forth far more than I thought she would bring forth and surprise me, but any dread or fear she had. Oh my God, only a certain number of years to live. That all was gone because I said, it's not literal. It's symbolic. And I've seen that over and over and over. People make the mistake. They don't, and it, but it does take dexterity. It does take skill. I'm learning. I'm getting much more skillful like a surgeon at being able to tease out, even at very subtle levels, the messages. It's really... It's it's really exciting. So Even as I've doing this for 25 years, it's exciting to go to this level and see things that I didn't see 10 or five, even five years ago and to bring out these things. So um, powerful. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's exceptional. And so. Oh, it, it's exciting. I, I can see how exciting it is for you as well as for your clients. I mean, to, to be able to, with ease, and I'm all about doing it with ease whenever possible, uh, just lighting up, being able to, to recognize that they have choices now because they have more information and better understanding. And that's where you are able to help them because like I said at the beginning, we all dream, but if you remember your dreams, it it is worthwhile to find out what it is about. If you don't remember them, just put a notebook by your bed and ask your dreaming mind that you have the intention to start remembering. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start with something short? <laughs> you don't want to be overwhelmed with five dreams and having to write it all down. Start with something short. <laughs> She can start to get into the process. 
Yeah. Or if you don't have a paper, you don't want to do a paper pip, just take a tape record. But tell your dreams. Whenever you wake up and remember, you will either write it down or you'll record it. And when your dreaming mind knows you're serious, then you'll start a line of communication. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is important for your client base that they want to find the place where they're most in alignment with their natural talents. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So everyone, uh, I will have Ken's information in the show notes below. So do reach out to him. Uh, how, how can they reach out to you? Uh, the best way actually would be through email. Okay. Uh, they can use this email, kenstories8 at gmail.com. If they want to connect with me and explore the idea of a session, I'm very reasonable with my rates. I don't want to, I'm not like $300 a session or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I, I understand. I want to, I want to really give this gift to people. Um, uh, that would be the way. Um, I do have a website. It's called intuitivedreamreader.com, but through email is going to be, uh, the, the, easiest, the easiest. fastest way to, to reach you. Yeah, and then, then I can do it uh, through Zoom. I can do it through Facebook video chat, or I can do it by phone. I don't have to be actually physically, like this, I don't have to be physically with a person to do dream work. Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here. This is so enlightening and so powerful. And in truth, anyone who is in transition, who is working to, to find a what can I do? Ken is a perfect place to start. Just think about your dreams. Yeah, I think the more knowledge you have about what's really going on inside of you, mm-hmm. where are your blocks, where are your strengths, your dreams will show all that to you. Absolutely. And are way beyond. I always say a really good dream session is worth about two months of therapy. I love it. I love it. That is so true. So true. Uh, you just have to be open to it and be willing to acknowledge what might be going on. I also guarantee, I also guarantee my work. Uh, if someone's not satisfied, I never expect them. I've never had a problem with anybody with this. But uh, for someone who wants to feel calm enough, I, I guarantee my work. You have to be satisfied. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ken, so much for this opportunity and for sharing your wisdom and making yourself such a valuable resource for women in transition and actually for anybody, anybody at all. So thank you. And until next time, everybody, be awesome. 